Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted, you should listen to all of the episodes as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Noah Fogarty, who's the Assistant Director of Undergraduate Admission at DePaul University in beautiful Chicago. Noah, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I'm good, John. Hey, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It is our honor and pleasure, so let's get right to it, Noah. What can you tell us about DePaul University that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend? Yeah. Well, let me start by just kind of giving you the rundown of what DePaul University is all about. Um, so we, we are a private university, as you said, located in the great city of Chicago. Um, and we have around 22,000 students across all of our undergraduate and graduate programs. Um, we are actually the largest Catholic university in the country. And more specifically, we're one of three Vincentian Catholic universities in the U.S. Uh, the Vincentians, as you might know, are um, also known as the Congregation of the Mission. And they're part of this Catholic order whose legacy is kind of based on the life and teachings of St. Vincent de Paul, who is uh, also our namesake. Um, so much of Vincent's life in the 17th century um, in France was dedicated to serving the poor and helping those in need. And those are values that have carried over into the institutional mission of DePaul University in the present day. Um, from the outset, we've been an institution that has sought to welcome students and faculty of all different faith backgrounds through our doors. We try to instill this sense of responsibility in our students to tackle those challenges of inequality and poverty and injustice in their life and work once they graduate from college. Um, today, we've kind of grown into this remarkable university that welcomes students from 49 states around the U.S. and 136 countries around the world. Um, we fully intend to be an institution that values inclusivity and diversity and really kind of honor the full personhood of each of our individual students um, that come through our doors. Um, about a third of our student body is first generation, so first in their family to attend college, um, and about a quarter of our student body identifies as Latino, so um, we are hoping to apply um, and be uh, recognized as a Hispanic-serving institution in the next few years, um, which would make us one of the few um, private universities in Illinois with that distinction. 
we were also one of the first Catholic universities in the country to offer academic programs in LGBTQ studies. Um, so on a lot of levels, you know, our students um, that are looking to attend DePaul will find that, um, you know, so much of the strength of our community comes from the wide variety of students that we are able to admit and who can come here and really feel accepted as they are. Um, at the beginning of this school year, um, we had uh, a new president join us, um, Rob Manuel. He's a really great guy um, and someone who's shown a lot of interest in getting to know our students personally. Um, during his inauguration remarks, I think he commented that he really sees the future direction of DePaul as um, one where we are sort of developing into the national model for university education in the 21st century. And for us, that means providing students with a very broad and flexible curriculum, um, but also one that marries that with pre-professional skills and career preparation for the modern workplace. And on the admission side, we are definitely kind of expanding our national footprint, um, hoping to attract students to our campus from all corners of the country and around the world. Um, if you're looking at kind of programs at DePaul that are somewhat new or noteworthy, um, film and television is actually our most popular major at the moment. Um, we're probably one of the top film schools that you will find outside of, you know, New York or Los Angeles. Um, we are very fortunate to have great partnerships um, outside of the university with um, Cinespace Studios. Um, so, you know, if you're watching those shows on NBC, like Chicago Med, Chicago Fire, um, those are all shows that are filmed at Cinespace. And our students in our film program get to work on set, behind the camera, really kind of learn the ins and outs of what it takes to uh, make it in the film industry. And the same can be said for a lot of our um, popular programs. Um, these include things like public relations and advertising, uh, health sciences, business, animation, computer science. Um, we really are looking to help students understand not only, you know, uh, sort of the academic aspects of these programs, but um, how they can develop those skills that will make them competitive in the job market once they graduate. Um, we also offer conservatory training um, for um, some art programs like music and theater for students that are interested in those types of fields. Um, and as I said before, you know, all of this is done in Chicago as the backdrop. Um, and it's a wonderful American city. Um, it has a lot of great amenities um, that many students are looking for, great opportunities to take in arts and culture, um, and certainly a fruitful job market for our students um, once they choose to graduate. So those are some of the many reasons why I think, you know, we are a unique university and um, provide a really interesting and engaging uh, academic experience for our students. Well, thank you so much for that comprehensive introduction. We truly appreciate it. And it really sounds like you have something for everyone, both inside of your classrooms and beyond, not only on your campus, but of course, being in the beautiful city of Chicago that offers multiple cultural and artistic and even internship opportunities. So congratulations and thank you again for that introduction. Noah, can you walk us through the overall admissions process at DePaul? Many students and their parents want to know what exactly happens once they hit the submit button on their application. So any insight that you can share, such as whether you evaluate by high school, by region, or intended major, or frankly, anything else that you want to share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Um, so let me first just kind of quickly go over what goes into an application at DePaul if you are a high school student applying uh, to our university. Um, like many schools, you know, we are a common application school. So um, many of the colleges that you as a student might be applying to will be included on this application platform. 
Um, from the students specifically, really the only thing that we are asking for from them is the completed Common App itself. Um, the student will need to be in touch with their high school counselor in order to obtain copies of their transcript and a completed secondary school report or letter of recommendation as well. Um, but it's overall a very kind of simplified application. Um, there's no application fee to apply to DePaul. We're test optional, so SAT and ACT scores are not really necessary. Um, and there's no additional writing supplements either. Um, and we actually don't require the personal essay either. Um, so all of these kind of policies are put in place in order to, you know, as I said, make the application as simple as possible for our students while still giving us the information that we need in order to assess a student's preparedness and fit with our university. Um, nowadays, I think it's very common to see students applying to 10 or more colleges in a year. And so we don't want our process to be overly burdensome in a way where students are going to feel discouraged about applying and keep DePaul off of their lists. Um, once we've received a completed application with all of the necessary materials from a student, um, and we do typically do outreach to school counselors or students if there is something that is missing from the application, um, the app will move on to our application readers um, for its first read. The first read is primarily an informational one. And in that uh, review, we are uh, reviewing the application for accuracy, you know, just making sure that all of the information looks consistent when it comes uh, to a student's biographical info, uh, their GPA, their recommendations, um, really just kind of checking to make sure that all of that, you know, uh, kind of matches up. Um, and then we're also checking to make sure that they've met our curriculum requirements for admission. So in most cases, um, kind of across our curriculum, a student will need to have completed four years of English in high school and have made it to at least Algebra 2 in their math sequence by the time that they graduate. So thankfully, this is consistent with the graduation requirements at most high schools around the country. Um, so most students that are already in a position where they're, you know, kind of taking those classes by following their high school standard curriculum, they're already in that position where they can be admitted to DePaul um, as long as they're earning decent grades. Um, now, that's the, that's the case for most majors. Now, there are some majors that we offer that are a little bit more competitive, um, such as our nursing major, for instance. Um, with programs like that, we are looking more closely at things like GPA and curriculum. Um, for nursing specifically, you know, for that program, students will need to show that they have at least a 3.5 unweighted GPA if they are um, applying into that uh, major. Um, and then if they are submitting standardized test scores as well, typically nursing likes to see um, SAT scores of uh, 1230 or above or ACT scores of 26 or higher. Um, although, as I said, students can apply test optional if they don't have those scores. Um, and they will need to have earned at least a B grade in their biology and chemistry classes. Um, so those are kind of targets that our faculty have identified in that particular major um, as a way to kind of ensure that students are coming in with the kind of academic background that they need to be successful. Um, and I know that I had just said that we don't really um, have additional <laughs> writing supplements, but for nursing applicants, there are actually three short answer questions that they need to respond to as part of their application. Um, now, if a student meets the criteria for admission 
after the first read um, and everything is looking good, um, they'll move forward in our process and essentially be considered for an admit. Um, now, the admit decision is not final at this point, um, since we do take a look at some things like demonstrated interest in order to make some judgments around a student's likelihood to yield to DePaul, um, and also to account for any sort of late-breaking updates that the student or the school might share with us. Um, but ultimately, we do admit the majority of our applicants. Um, our acceptance rate last year, uh, for example, was 68%. Um, so all things considered, you know, if you are kind of meeting the curriculum requirements, you're getting solid grades in your classes, that alone already puts you in a really good position to be admitted with us. Now, if there are some concerns that come up during the first read, then a student will move on to a second read that's conducted by the admission counselor who covers their territory. Um, so in my case, for example, I'm the counselor responsible for the state of Florida. So all of our Florida kids that need a second review will come to my desk before any final decision is made on their application. The second review is really kind of intended to evaluate where a student might have fallen short in the first review. Um, and it, it's meant for us to ultimately make an informed decision about what should happen with their application next. Um, falling short would include things like a subpar SAT score, or a low or a failing grade on the transcript, or not completing four years of English. Um, with the second read, we, we try to identify where that student you know, didn't meet the requirements or meet our admission standards, and try to understand why that was the case and consider them in the context of their high school, as well as the applications that we typically see from their high school. Um, so, you know, when a student or a staff member at their high school can provide us with context as to why these blemishes are showing up in a student's application, that is helpful information that can help us make a more um, kind of informed um, determination about their success in college and whether or not we should ultimately admit them. So to give you an example, you know, let's say a student applied and they got an F in their junior year history class, along with a few other low grades. Um, without context, we can make a lot of assumptions as to why that student wasn't successful in their history class. Um, but let's say that the counselor's recommendation letter that we received from them informed us that the student was going through a mental health crisis last year and they missed a lot of school and they struggled to catch up on missed homework. Um, but now they're seeing a therapist, their grades are stronger, and they're trending back more towards their normal selves. Um, we know that life happens and, and we know that kids will get overwhelmed or make mistakes along the way. Um, so if all the signs are pointing to them kind of trending back towards success, that's the kind of thing that can really help resurrect a kid's chances of being admitted um, through the second read um, and just kind of ensure us that, you know, we're making um, the proper decision um, to bring them in, uh, knowing that they have the tools and the skills needed to be successful here. Hey, podcast friends, are you or someone you know in need of some custom college gear? Prep Sportswear carries a wide variety of college fan gear and apparel, including T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, hats, and so much more. So whether you're getting ready to go to the game, hanging out on campus, organizing a college bed decorating party, or you're simply looking to build upon your college gear, Prep Sportswear has you covered. Check out our Prep Sportswear affiliate partnership link in the show notes for all the details. 
As an affiliate partner with Prep Sportswear, the podcast does receive a small commission if you make a purchase. But rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel that would benefit our listeners. And now, back to the show. Well, thank you so much for that comprehensive answer. Probably one of the most comprehensive answers that we received. So we really appreciate it, Noah. No application fee, test optional, essay optional. You certainly do track demonstrated interest. So we're going to unpack a lot of these things throughout the conversation. But I just wanted to say thank you again. And at this point, I was very curious. DePaul has had a lot of success throughout their athletic program. And they are truly a fun team to watch in all of their athletics. So Noah, do you work with student athletes on their recruitment? And how does the admissions process differ for student athletes? Yeah, it's funny that you mention athletics because um, as someone who grew up in upstate New York myself, um, my first exposure to DePaul was uh, through watching Big East basketball. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we, our women's team especially has been very successful in recent years. Um, they qualified for the NCAA tourney last year. Um, their coach, Doug Bruno, has been part of the DePaul coaching staff for many years and actually was recently inducted into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, he's coached the uh, U.S. women's national team as well as the DePaul team. Um, so, you know, and, and I think it's a great school for students that are interested in, in Division One athletics, too, just as a spectator, because when you come here, you get into all of the games for free. Um, but kind of getting back to your original question about um, sort of athletics and the admissions process, um, yes, student athletes at DePaul do go through the same admission process as other students. Um, they do have to be eligible for admission, not only by NCAA standards, but also admissible to DePaul and the program that they're applying to. Um, from a recruiting standpoint, that's all handled by the coaches. Um, so it's not like if a kid comes up to me at a college fair and says, I want to play soccer at DePaul. I'm not getting on the phone with the coach to say, hey, I met a kid in you know Long Island who says they want to play soccer. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we kind of let them have their own chance to, you know, tell us who their students are that they're planning to recruit. Um, and we do encourage students to contact coaches directly if they are interested, you know, within the permissible time periods. Um, and then the coaches will develop their lists. They'll pass those names on to our office and we will flag student athletes in our review. Um, but again, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're automatically admitted just because they're being recruited. Um, you know, if we do go through the application review and everything looks good and they get in, um, the athletics department will handle all of the paperwork around NLIs, um, scholarship money, things like that. Um, most of our full ride scholarships for athletics are reserved for players in our revenue generating sports. Um, so if a student was going out for something like the tennis team and is offered a partial athletic scholarship instead, they can also receive an academic scholarship through our admissions office um, that can still be stacked on top of that and help lower the cost of attendance. Um, you just can't receive more scholarship money than the total cost for you to attend the school. Well, we appreciate that overview as well. Thank you so much. And Noah, I know that DePaul is currently test optional. You mentioned that in the uh, earlier question. And of course, many other schools are test optional. Can you share the percentage of students that apply and that are ultimately admitted that did not in fact submit their test scores? Yeah. So looking at our freshman class this year, 
Um, we brought in around 3,000 students um, for, for our first year class. And of those 3,000, um, 1,623 were admitted uh, applying test optional. So slightly more than half. And actually, I would say that the overall applicant pool is similar to that, if not slightly higher in terms of its makeup of non-test submitters. Um, last year, we had an applicant pool of around 30,000 applications. So I would guess maybe around 60% of that pool did not include a test score with their application. Well, we appreciate that. And what are your thoughts on the future of the test optional movement, Noah? I love it. Uh, personally, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of test optional admissions. And I think Within the profession, there is a growing majority of people who agree. Um, you know, the pandemic was in some ways a golden opportunity for universities to pilot test optional admissions if they weren't already doing that. And after seeing that admissions can be done successfully without considering the SAT and the ACT, um, I suspect that more schools will continue to keep those policies in place. Um, for us at DePaul, I mean, we have been test optional for around 10 years. Um, so dating back to 2012, I think, is when we launched our, our program. Um, you know, we've seen that implementing our test optional policy has, A, increased, um, you know, sort of the diversity of our freshman class, uh, but it has also benefited students from all different types of backgrounds um, that, you know, we know are good students, but just maybe are not good test takers. You know, that's, that's a very common thing that happens from time to time. Um, and what's great too, is that, you know, with sort of this 10 years of this policy being in place and the data um, to back it up, our data is showing that there really aren't significant differences between the retention or the graduation rates of test submitters versus non-submitters. Um, and this is definitely consistent, I think, with the scholarly literature on standardized testing in college admissions that's out right now. Um, I know a lot of recent studies have found, um, for instance, that women tend to outperform their SAT score in college, um, whereas men tend to underperform what their SAT score uh, says about their success. Um, you know, a lot of studies have also indicated that, you know, the um, scores on the SAT more often correlate with family income or education level versus actual college aptitude. Um, and so I think that if the justification for keeping the SAT in admission is that it is this best tool that we have for predicting success in college across a broad applicant pool, I just don't really think that that holds up or that's really true um, when you really look at the kind of research that's gone into it. And so I certainly hope that you know our policy will continue into the future. I certainly think it will. Um, but I hope that more and more colleges will find ways to evaluate students that don't rely so heavily on the SAT or the ACT. Well, I appreciate that. And the reps that I've been talking to, those reps in particular where their schools have gone test optional recently, basically what they're saying is that they're going to look at the data in the next four or five years to determine exactly what you talked about. Is it going to affect one way or the other, for example, their graduation rate? And if it doesn't, I would suspect that the test optional movement will certainly continue. So more on that as we move on year to year. And Noah, what is the average profile of your current freshman class? And if a student falls a little lower, you know, you, you mentioned demonstrated interest, but what are some of the other things that they can do to enhance their overall application? And in terms of demonstrated interest, what exactly are you tracking? Yeah, those are all excellent questions. Um, 
just to kind of give you an idea of what our average profile looks like for last year's freshman class, um, the average GPA was a 3.82 weighted GPA. Um, so that usually means kids getting A's or B's in most of their classes. Um, the average SAT score for folks that did submit their uh, test scores was uh, 1180, and our average ACT score was a 24. Now, we do admit a pretty broad range of students above and below those figures. Um, you know, if you have a stronger GPA and a good test score um, compared to those averages that I just mentioned, then you're probably looking at a more generous academic scholarship and possible opportunities to enroll in things like our honors program. Um, but if you are below those averages, I think it's important to, um, as I said earlier, you know, shed some light on why you may have struggled at different points during your high school career. Um, if you have some information like that that you can share with your admission counselor, that is that context is often helpful. Um, it is also going to be very important that you try to do well in your senior year. This is sort of like your redemption arc where you get to show that you are turning the corner um, and that you are on this upward trajectory. So sometimes what happens is that when a student applies to DePaul, um, you know, let's say they've come to campus, they've shown a lot of interest in us, but their numbers just aren't that great. We may decide in that particular case to defer the, that student from our you know, early action round into the regular decision round in order to give us some time to look at their grades from first semester of senior year. Um, that's often a good indication that the student is putting in the work to do well and turn things around. Um, and another thing that we often ask those students for is um, something that we call the admission committee statement. Um, this is essentially an opportunity for them to respond in a short paragraph form um, why they still want to attend DePaul. Um, so that's a way to you know, demonstrate the interest in the school, but also to show us that your grades are improving. And if we see that the interest is there, the grades are looking good um, at the mid-year mark, then usually we feel comfortable admitting that student. I know that demonstrated interest is a bit of, uh, you know, it's it's applied in different ways at different universities. Um, you know, we recognize that if you're a student coming from the East Coast, for instance, and, you know, coming to Chicago, um, that's a big investment of, of time and money on your family's part to come and tour campus. Um, we'd love to have you here if you can fit that into your schedule, but certainly we won't fault you for doing that if you don't have the time to fit that in. Um, other ways that you can um, kind of show your interest in DePaul is corresponding with your admission counselor, um, you know, attending some of our virtual info sessions or virtual tours. Um, and, and we do host, um, you know, off-campus events as well, um, receptions with alumni, college fairs, high school visits, um, things that are a little bit closer to home that um, might give you a chance to, to meet with us one-on-one -on -one and, and show that this is a school that you're considering. Well, we really appreciate that. And you mentioned students, of course, that are out of state. So what percentage of your students are, in fact, from out of state? And Noah, does the application process differ for in-state and out-of-state students? Yeah. So right now, around 30% of our students are coming from out of state. Um, I think that that is a number on the freshman admission side where we really would like to see some continued growth. Um, historically, DePaul has been a really great local option for students from the Chicagoland area. And to this day, we do have a fair number of students that will choose to live at home and commute to school because of the affordability. And that's why you'll still see that a majority of our students come from Illinois. Um, the application process itself for in-state versus out-of-state students, 
there really isn't much of a difference, I would say, on the admission side. Um, I think maybe where you might see some differentiation in the experience is when out-of-state students are applying for on-campus housing. Um, so currently our goal at DePaul is to offer on-campus housing to all freshman students that are interested in living in the residence halls. It's not a requirement that students live on campus, um, but it is a convenient option for folks coming from further away who maybe aren't as familiar with living in Chicago. Um, once they get past their freshman year, those out-of-state students, you know, they might start looking for off-campus apartments with their friends or some other housing arrangement like that. Um, but kind of getting back to the original question, really there's no difference on the admission or financial aid side in terms of in-state versus out-of-state or what your cost of attendance would look like. Well, we appreciate that. And you touched upon visiting the school earlier. And of course, sometimes it's not so simple if you live out of state and really far away or across the country. Yeah. But if possible, visiting a college is important for the students to get a feeling of the school and of course the surrounding area. So if a student is able to visit, what are some of the questions they should be asking to help them determine whether or not the poll is in fact the right fit for them? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that uh, the, the visit provides so much um, just kind of, uh, you know, firsthand experience with the university and, and allows a student to really get a sense of the feel for what that campus and what that student body is like. Um, you know, we make a point to try to offer tours throughout the year. Um, you know, we're open for tours five days a week and also host a number of open houses and admitted student events where people have the chance to, you know, come out to Chicago and, and really get a taste of what DePaul is like. Um, I think if you are a prospective student coming and visiting us, um, some of the important questions to ask, um, well, I, 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 I think, guess I'll kind of start with sort of the religious aspect of, of who we are. As a Catholic university, you know, you might want to inquire about the ways in which faith and spirituality kind of impact the student experience. Um, for some students that were raised Catholic, for instance, that might be asking about where and when they can go and attend mass or what types of campus organizations um, we offer for Catholic students. Um, but on the other hand, for students that maybe identify as atheist, um, they might uh, be looking for some reassurance that they don't need to subscribe to any particular religious belief in order to fit in at DePaul. And that is the case, actually, where really the only required engagement with religion that we ask students to participate in is at the academic level, um, where they're required to take a world religion class sometime before they graduate. But again, it's not limited to just Catholicism specifically, it could be any world religion. Um, another, I think, important question to ask, um, depending on where the student is visiting from, is about um, Chicago itself. Um, you know, if you're a student like me who grew up in a rural part of the country, coming to a big city can be a bit of a culture shock. And so navigating public transit, living in diverse communities, these are all things that might be new experiences for you. Um, thankfully, if you um, did ask about that during your visit, you would probably hear about um, resources like our Chicago Quarter Program, which all of our freshman students participate in. Um, not only does it provide opportunities for freshmen to kind of bridge uh, the gap between high school and college level academics, it also familiarizes them with the city of Chicago and its culture and history by offering this really immersive and experiential class. Um, I recognize too that Chicago 
unfortunately does have a bit of a reputation in the national media for being a city with crime and gun violence and and things like that. And I, I think it is a bit of an unfair characterization on some level. Um, I mean, even if you look at the crime statistics, Chicago isn't even the most dangerous city in Illinois, let alone the country. But there's a tendency per, to portray it in that way that I think makes some students or parents uncomfortable if, they're, if they haven't been here before. And so I often assure those people that safety around our campus is paramount. Um, we have a number of resources through public safety that will help keep students out of harm's way. Um, last quarter, for example, we started offering an evening shuttle between our two campuses on weekdays. That's exclusively for DePaul students in case they didn't feel comfortable taking the train home by themselves. We also offer van rides to and from your dorm or your off-campus apartment if you're say, working late at the library and don't feel comfortable walking home alone. So there's a lot of resources here, um, you know, to help students um, navigate their safety um, in reasonable ways and, and I think help put parents at ease too. Um, another important question kind of related to uh, our last point about housing, um, just kind of understanding what's out there for you uh, for on-campus or off-campus housing. Um, what's great is that our housing office does maintain a list of both on-campus apartments and townhouses that are close to the DePaul campus that um, have rented to students in the past. Um, and it's a good question, I think, specifically to post to your student tour guide as well, um, since they'll have direct knowledge of what it's like to live in the dorms or, you know, have uh, knowledge about what their friends are doing that can help give you an idea of what your options might be if you are looking for a place to stay here in Chicago. Well, again, we thank you for the comprehensive answer, and I really appreciate that you touched upon safety and all of the great resources that you have on your campus and beyond. Many students and obviously their parents are always concerned about safety on campus, so thank you so much for that, Noah. We really appreciate it. And getting back to the application, if we may, do you use the student's high school GPA as indicated on the transcript, or do you recalculate the GPA using your own metrics? And if so, what do you look for from a student's academic record and how do you evaluate it? So the high school transcript is arguably the most valuable component of any college application. Um, it's what we're using to make most of our academic evaluations about a candidate. Um, assuming that a student has completed all four years of high school at the same school and all of their grades for nine through 12 are accounted for on the transcript, we will typically use the school's weighted GPA that they provide to us without recalculating. Now, if a student has transferred between multiple high schools or if a school uses a non 4.0 GPA scale, we will do some recalculations to account for their full GPA for grades 9 through 11 and convert that to a 4.0 scale so that we can compare apples to apples within a school group. Um, but in both cases, whether we've recalculated or not, we are applying that school's weighting scale to the GPA. So, you know, if the school says that an A in an AP class is a 4.5 instead of a 4.0, we'll assign that weighting to the student's GPA. Um, curriculum is definitely an important component of our review as well. Um, as I said earlier, you know, we do want to ensure that all of our admitted students are meeting the baseline requirements in math and English. Um, we also take into account sort of the general rigor of the program. And I highly encourage students within their comfort level to challenge themselves with advanced courses in high school that go above and beyond the standard level of rigor that's offered. Um, not only does this reflect well on your college application, but 
what you're doing is you're preparing yourself as a student for the type of rigor that you're going to encounter in college. You know, I hate to see it when students kind of take their foot off the gas in their senior year and they just fill their schedule with easy electives because they already met their graduation requirements and they don't have to do more <laughs> than that. Um, you know, I, I get it. I'm, I'm sure it's nice to not have to work as hard or worry about school as much right before you graduate. But is that really going to help you develop the study habits or the expectations around homework that you need to be successful in college? Um, you know, taking college level classes helps to make your transition into college level academics much, much easier. And so I always remind students, you know, don't give in to senioritis too soon. A lot of <laughs> universities, ours included, will tell you that, you know, it's important that you keep your grades up as you finish out your high school career, um, because if there is a significant drop off, you know, that's something that could potentially impact things like your scholarship or your offer of admission itself. Um, and so it definitely, you know, we are paying close attention to that transcript throughout all four years of high school um, and, and using that as the primary guide in our academic evaluation. Well, those are all great pieces of advice. Thank you so much, Noah. And what are the different ways a student may apply to DePaul? And is there a benefit to applying one way over the other? So um, there are a few different ways that students can go through the admission process with us. Um, Generally speaking, for most majors, we offer a non-binding early action round as well as a regular decision round. Um, our early action deadline is November 15th, and if we receive a completed application from a student by that time, um, they'll hear back from us by mid-December. Um, regular decision applicants have until February 1st to apply and then are notified in mid-March. Um, while we will accept some applications that are submitted after the February 1st deadline, we really can't guarantee that we will have a decision in hand by mid-March for that student, or even that there will be room in the freshman class because um, you know, we do want to kind of honor the applications of students that did apply by the deadline first before making any additional promises. So you do want to try to meet those deadlines as best you can. Um, there is a benefit, I think, to applying by the early action deadline, um, and a lot of that comes down to scholarship options. Um, every student that applies to DePaul, regardless of their round, um, will be evaluated for an academic scholarship based on their performance in high school. Um, but early action students have the opportunity to apply for other institutional and donor-funded scholarships that we offer that can stack on top of their academic scholarship. So um, because most of the deadlines for those scholarships is February 1st, our early action kids have the upper hand in terms of accessing the most possible scholarship options. Um, one thing I haven't really touched on yet um, in our conversation is that um, in addition to having um, this kind of process for most of our majors, um, because of our conservatory programs in music and theater, their application process is actually very different from what the rest of the university does. Um, theater and music at DePaul both have their own in-house admissions teams, so um, I would not necessarily be the person evaluating your application if you applied to one of those programs, um, even if you are coming from a state that I represent. Um, and the reason being is that theater and music both rely very heavily on the audition component of the application. Um, they typically recommend that students get their materials in by December 1st um, so that auditions and pre-screens can happen um, during the winter months. 
And, um, you know, some of those happen on campus, some of those happen off campus. Um, you know, we do have a pretty big cohort applying from the New York City area every year, for example. And so theater and music will go out there and, um, you know, host auditions off campus. Um, but generally speaking, you know, they're on a very different kind of calendar and different process than the rest of um, the applications that we're evaluating. Um, and I will say that, you know, if you are applying to some of those more competitive programs like music or theater and actually nursing too, um, if you end up not making it past that audition round, you're not actually full on denied from DePaul in general. Um, knowing how selective those programs can be, we do give kids the option to say, okay, I guess I can't come to DePaul as a music major, but maybe I'd be content studying something like communications instead. Um, they can update their application after receiving the deny notice from music um, and choose a different major to be considered for admission uh, in another area of DePaul. So this only happens with, you know, uh, students applying for those competitive majors first. It doesn't work in the opposite direction. So if you're applying as a math major and you get denied, it is a real deny. Um, and so then your option would only be to apply to DePaul as a transfer student in the future. Um, but yeah, it is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is a nice way to kind of give them a chance to say, well, you know, if I can't get into this really difficult program, then maybe there's something else and, and DePaul could still be a good option for me. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to share that we've teamed up with Dormco to make your dorm decorating a lot easier. Why Dormco? They offer quality and durability affordability, and a wide selection for bedding to storage solutions and everything in between for your dorm room. So if you or anyone you know is looking to decorate your dorm, see the affiliate partnership link in the show notes for Dormco, your one stop for stylish, affordable, and quality dorm essentials. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast gets a commission, but rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. Thank you all and best wishes. Well, that's really good to know. And I appreciate you also talking about the theater and music majors and how the application process differs for those students. But also as a reminder, students, early action, November 15th deadline, regular decision, February 1st deadline. And it sounds like after about a month, you will get your, hopefully your acceptance letter. So again, Noah, thank you so much for that overall uh, explanation. And I appreciate the fact that you talked about how going early action helps you in terms of scholarship opportunities. So that's good to know. Noah, do you offer interviews, whether evaluative or informative? And if so, how are they used? And what advice would you offer students who are preparing for an interview? Yeah. So generally speaking, we don't really do interviews at DePaul, at least not in the way that I've seen them done at many of the smaller colleges that I've worked at previously. Um, that being said, our admissions staff does uh, typically offer one-on-one -on -one appointments in their territories during their fall and spring travel seasons. So you can meet with us in your city, um, you know, have a conversation, get your questions answered. We'll buy you a cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I think especially for admitted students, um, you know, you're welcome to bring your parents with you to these meetings as well. Um, oftentimes, they have important questions about financial aid or credits transferring in that maybe the student isn't anticipating. So it's a helpful resource for all parties involved to hear from us directly and to get their questions answered. Um, 
we do these types of meetings uh, virtually as well um, throughout the year when we're not on the road recruiting. Um, but I always love a one-on-one -on -one conversation where I can meet with a student and maybe even their whole family um, just to provide, you know, a, a face to the to the name of the university that they're applying to and and ensure that, you know, they really do understand everything that's going into their ultimate college decision. Well, we appreciate that. And Noah, what are some examples of college essays that left an impression on you? And what advice would you share with prospective students in terms of what to do when they are sitting down getting ready to write their essays? I know that you said that the essay is optional, but I have to ask this question. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'll, let me start by kind of answering the, the second half of your question first. Um, I, I know that building up the nerve to start writing your college essay can be tough for a lot of students. Um, I know that was certainly the case for me when I was in high school. And I, I think it's important for students to hear that you really don't need to have accomplished something super extraordinary in order for you to stand out in your college essay. Um, some of the best essays that I've read um, highlight a topic or a thing that to most people would seem very ordinary, but it's the way in which that student is able to talk about why this thing is meaningful to them um, that tells us something about who they are, what their values are, and, and how are they able to communicate those ideas through their writing. Um, another thing that we as admission counselors are very fortunate to be able to do through reading these essays is that we learn so much about the worlds that our prospective students reside in. And sometimes these essays allow us to learn and to question some of those things that we ourselves might have taken for granted. Uh, to give you an example of a really good essay um, that sticks out in my mind, about six or seven years ago, I was uh, reading an essay from a student um, who was applying from Pakistan. And in her essay, she talked about her advocacy work um, to get Pakistan to change some of their laws around emergency vehicles on the road. And in her essay, she discussed this experience where she was um, stuck in traffic, driving in the car with her family, and there was an ambulance coming up from behind them trying to get someone to the hospital. But no one was pulling over because at the time, there wasn't a traffic law in Pakistan the way there is here in the States where you pull over for ambulances or fire trucks or things like that. And so she keenly realized that, you know, this was a real challenge for the first responders who are trying to get this person help and that people's lives were at stake if something didn't change. And so she used this experience to begin writing to her legislators, um, getting them to craft laws that would allow emergency vehicles to pass. And I believe in 2016, they began running campaigns to raise awareness about the importance of pulling over. And by 2019, they were legally enforcing that policy. So overall, it was a really great story that the student was telling um, that highlighted not only their ability to recognize a problem in their society, but it talked about how they used their voice to do something about it and, and then the impact that followed. Conversely, if you're looking for an example of a not-so-great essay that I remember, <laughs> um, the one that often stands out uh, for me was... Um, a student who used their essay to recount the four different times that they were suspended from school. And <laughs> now, John, you're a principal. I'm sure you know better than anyone that teenagers sometimes get into trouble. They make mistakes. And, <laughs> you know, sometimes there needs to be some disciplinary action that follows. And hopefully they learn from that experience. Um, but four suspensions, all different types of infractions, that kind of raised some eyebrows for us. 
Um, and in addition to that, this, this student also uh, wrapped up their essay by saying, in conclusion, I hope that you will accept me to Duke University. And keep in Ooh. mind, this was not Duke University that I was working for. So students, be very careful not to mention colleges by name like that, especially if you're applying to multiple schools, because we see that and it definitely stands out. Well, those are great examples. We really appreciate it. And again, you, you did mention a few times in the conversation that you went essay optional. Could you share the rationale as to why? Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's interesting because I think from the public's point of view, the college essay has often been branded as this really essential part of the application and something that carries so much weight in the ultimate determination of whether or not a student gets in. And um, being in this profession now for as long as I have, it's it's interesting that that still kind of exists in the same way because um, in reality, it's just one of many components. Um, you know, I think the ultimate purpose of a college essay is mainly to highlight, A, your skills as a writer. You know, we want to make sure that you are able to communicate your thoughts and ideas through writing, um, and that it's up to a college level. Um, but it's also, you know, intended to be this opportunity for students to share some, you know, aspect of who they are as people, you know, what's important to them to in their life. Um, and so, you know, in, in DePaul's decision to make the essay an optional component of the application, this all goes back to wanting to provide students some flexibility in deciding, you know, do I have a story that I can tell that will enhance my application, that will provide them with some better idea of who I am beyond what's already on paper? Um, but if that student, you know, as they're kind of considering, you know, all of the other things that they have to balance on their plate during a very busy senior year, um, or maybe they're a student that struggles with writing in general, I don't want that essay to be the thing that prevents them from, from applying to DePaul at all, you know? Like, I want there to be an option for them to say, you know, uh, maybe I have something that I want to say, and so I will include the essay, but, um, you know, if it's something that's going to be a hindrance to me in getting my applications done, then it's it's all the better that, you know, we don't, you know, kind of keep that in place as a barrier because the ultimate goal for us on the admission side is to help bring more students into college to provide this opportunity for education. And, you know, we found that, you know, the essay, while it is a great way to get to know students better and a good way to kind of check their writing skills, there are other parts of the application too where those things can come out. And so it doesn't have to be the most essential component of your application, certainly not more important than the grades on your transcript. Um, you know, I often have told folks, you know, uh, a good essay is not a substitute for bad grades. So, um, you know, if you're thinking about where to dedicate your time when it comes to your college application as a student, um, it certainly should be more directed towards, you know, challenging yourself in the classroom and getting good grades than it is with pulling off this extraordinary essay. Well, those are great points and we truly appreciate the explanation. So this has been a phenomenal conversation, Noah. I really can't thank you enough, but unfortunately, it leads us to our last question, which is, what are the top three pieces of advice that you would give a student and their parents who are getting ready for the college admissions process? Yeah. Well, I would say if I had to narrow it down to just three things, um, you know, for students, I know that the college admission process can bring up a lot of different emotions, both good and bad. 
Remember that as big as this moment may seem in the course of your young life, regardless of how things play out, you are still worthy of dignity as a person with great capacity to make a difference in your own life and the lives of others. Um, you know, your life is not going to go off the rails just because you didn't get into your top choice school. Um, many years ago at a fly-in event that we were hosting for prospective students, um, an alum of the college that I was working for at the time shared with the audience his thought that college does not have to be a perfect experience to be the perfect experience. And I think that that's an important thing for students to internalize, to recognize that things may not go according to your initial plan, but it's the meaning that you make from those moments, both good and bad, that really change your life for the better. The other thing that I would offer to students is that it is so important to pause and kind of take stock of who you are as a person and, and, and engage with that throughout your college search. Um, you know, it's important to understand personally, what are your goals? What are your intentions? Um, you know, what types of educational settings do you thrive in? What type of experiences do you want to have access to? Do I want to be close to home or far away, big city, small town? Answering these questions for yourself can be really helpful in narrowing uh, your college list or expanding your college list. And um, it can also kind of help focus your attention on the things that matter to you most of all. And then my last bit of advice is for the parents. Um, and, and I will say that from my point of view, parents, you are a very important part of your child's ultimate college decision. Um, especially when it comes to financing their education, I do feel that it's really important that the whole family is on board and understands the commitment that they're making to the college of their choice. But at the same time, it is also important to remember that you, the parent, are not the one who's applying to college. It's, it's your child. And it may be tempting to want to, you know, help them with their essay or, you know, correspond with their admission counselor on their behalf to check the status of their application or whatever. Um, but, you know, it's, it's important for your students, um, you know, to engage that college process independently on some level, too. Um, and beyond a certain point, you know, it does get a bit annoying, what, you know, if parents try to do too much on behalf of their child. And you don't want that to negatively reflect on your child's experience throughout this, um, throughout this admission process. So my advice is really to just let your child be in the driver's seat with the college search. Ask them questions. Try to direct your future plans for college tours or things like that around what they've responded to positively and ultimately allow them to be the ones to say, you know what, this is where I want to go to school. And I think if you can do that, um, you know, it's, it's the best possible outcome for everyone. Well, we really appreciate your insight, your advice, and of course, the time that you gave of us today. Thank you so much, Noah. This has been a phenomenal conversation and I'm really happy because I know it's going to help so many students and their parents as they navigate through the college admissions process. I truly hope to have you again. You were awesome. Thank you, Noah. Thanks so much, John. It's been a real pleasure to be here. And um, yes, good congratulations on all your success with the podcast and continue doing what you're doing. I think it's a great opportunity um, for all of your listeners to really kind of see behind the curtain of what goes on in the college admissions world. Well, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And I hope to have you again soon. Take care, Noah. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.
Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to announce that we've teamed up with some fantastic affiliate partners to further enhance your overall college journey. So do you or someone you know need stylish dorm decor, trendy college apparel, or top-notch test prep? Whether it's creating a cozy home away from home, flaunting the latest in college apparel, or securing top-notch test prep help, we've got you covered. Check out our affiliate links in the show notes within each of these categories, which we believe will help you, our listeners. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast does get a small commission. But rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit you, our listeners. So check out the links in the show notes and share with anyone you think may benefit. Thank you all and best wishes.